0: Hello, and welcome to the Three Will Podcast. This is your host, Danny Ryan, and today I have Mr. Bruce Harple. You're not Sir Bruce. I was going to say Sir Bruce Harple. (laughs) I like the Sir, though. uh, (laughs) Maybe you and Tommy can light me. Yes, sir. Um, We uh, are getting together today to talk about a very important subject, uh, something you're doing day in, day out, which is managing project risks. And, uh, so we'll, uh, let's get kicked off with that subject and, and, uh, maybe if you can just start us out with, uh, an overall definition or just something to get a, give us some, some grounding on the subject.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Danny. And again, I'm uh, thrilled to be here, thrilled to be talking about, you know, how do we kind of manage project risk? Because it's a, it's a critical part of you know, every engagement, every project we do with our customers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I kind of start out with the, the dictionary definition of of risk which is a lot of words and I'll kind of then net it out a bit and I'll kind of flip it into you know what would be a good definition of risk around an IT project but the the textbook definition is you know a probability or threat of damage injury liability loss or any other negative occurrence you know that is caused by external or internal vulnerabilities And that may be avoided through preemptive action that's a a good one i picked that one out because it had a lot of great words but Uh if i had to net it out right and kind of pare that down it's it's really i mean risk is it's a threat right it's a threat to the success of your project your solution uh, caused by some vulnerability Mm -hmm. right something that maybe you do or don't control you know it could be environmental it could be organizational um could be technical um, but it can be avoided through some preemptive action we would call that mitigation. Mm-hmm. you know that, that's kind of the, the net net of it. And then I kind of said, well what does that really mean kind of you know the, the risks the definition of risk is different in any industry, right? But from an IT perspective when we think about at least you know, when we think about risk and as we go after projects with customers, I really look at a risk as, as something that threatens the scope, schedule or budget of a project, right? We call that the iron triangle, right? Mm-hmm. That's the the three sides you're trying to manage as you you know, uh, work through a project. But also, you know, a risk is something to me that would threaten adoption of the solution, okay. right? Once you're done, because okay. uh, you can build the best solution in the world or what you think is the best solution in the world, but if it's not adopted, not used, then essentially you failed. Uh, and, and then also security, right? That's becoming more and more important in today's world. So. You really got to think about that and be real proactive in how you kind of manage that aspect of your project. So that's kind of, you know, flipping it into kind of with more of an IT focus. So somebody with adoption, the risk is nobody's
0: using it. And then with security, the, the issue is if someone's using it in the wrong way. Or, or everyone's using it. Or everyone's using it. And they're not supposed to be using not it. Enough right. Not enough or too many. That's right. Not enough for too many. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>
1: What's next? Well, you know, what I wanted to talk about next is just to kind of frame up, you know, kind of in In the IT world, Uh you know, as we work with businesses and work with customers, you know, what do we see as, you know, kind of the areas of, you know, common risks or where do we see the vulnerabilities, right? What are those vulnerabilities? And yeah, I kind of listed them under, you know, these buckets, you know, there's business vulnerabilities, technology vulnerabilities, people, vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. uh, adoption, which we've talked about, and then added collaboration as well. You know, those are kind of the, the five areas of kind of vulnerabilities, right? Things that could, yeah, within that, that could impact and add risk to a project. I'm surprised you don't have a six bu-
0: bucket that's called Danny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we can mitigate Danny. <laughs> You can mitigate me. Oh, nice. Is that what people call it? <laughs> and keep me away from projects? They're mitigating me? We're mitigating Danny.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's go into those different buckets. Yeah. And, and kind of what I did is just uh, kind of, you know, maybe identify some examples of what those vulnerabilities might be uh-huh. in each of those buckets. Like, So from a business perspective, I mean, you know, the, the, the obvious ones are things like, you know, either unclear or undefined requirements. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and many times when we start a project, you know, we don't have 100% of the requirements nailed down. You know, we might have some requirements that are a high level and some are at a lower level, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there's some risk there right, with not having um, those requir- all requirements at a very detailed level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then related to that, it, it could be unclear or undefined business processes, you know, especially if there is a, a new business process that you're really looking to automate in some way, and uh, you know, there's risk in that, right? Because there's there's people involved in that process, and uh, it requires a lot of work to make sure that you're looking at that process from end to end, and that you've got the right people, you know, providing input into you know, vetting out how that process is going to work and what are the inputs and outputs of all the uh, the steps and activities along the way. Um, and another one is is lack of business ownership, and, and that's that's really key. Yeah. You know, the the times where we don't have clear, you know, in in agile terms, we call it a product owner, but, you know, where we don't have clear ownership of the solution, you know, someone that we can go to that will articulate the vision for the team and that will, you know, kind of really sign off on, you know, the requirements and the acceptance criteria associated with the requirements. Yeah, and we really are looking for that single owner, Mm -hmm. you know, the times where we go into engagements where it's. Uh, it, it's a committee of owners, you know, that, that's, a, that's a more difficult environment to be in. That's a risk uh, in itself. That's a risk in itself yeah, when, yeah. You, when you're kind of going to a committee for guidance and, and direction. So, um, you yeah. know, yeah, that's another vulnerability, right? And, and then just, uh, and we all know, you know, there's new requirements that pop up, right, throughout a project. Uh, it's just the reality of, you know, implementing something new. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, those are just examples of, um, you know, areas of vulnerability as it relates to the business side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, The flip side of that, right, the technology, right, which is kind of what you're using to, you know, implement a solution. You know, the risks there are, you know, around, you know, are you going to use any kind of new technologies? Or, you know, are those technologies new, you know, to either your team or, or maybe the customer's team? Yeah. Right, because at the end of the day, at the end of the project, the customer has to sustain this, right? So, you know, understanding that up front, you know, and knowing, you know, where there is either new technologies or whether the, the experience of the team, you know, might be limited with the technology is, is key to understand. And then the other area is, is really choosing the right technology, right? We all know, you know, there's a lot of ways to solve a problem with technology there's a lot of technology choices out there but you know the vulnerability is in are you picking the right technology that fits the customer's culture the customer's you know standards the customer's governance um and, and and again can that customer sustain what you're what you're implementing it
0: seems like it's especially that way with sharepoint i mean we're narrowing it down to typically our projects are using sharepoint but even within sharepoint you're talking about, you know, especially with the newer apps, which frameworks you're using for it. A lot of different variables are out there that you know you, you do need to factor in. Who's going to maintain this long term? What is what's the experience level of the team with these technologies? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we're seeing more and more of the front end experience, right, the user experience, being done outside of SharePoint. Uh huh. Right? right. We're seeing a lot more of that being done with. Uh, you know, more of the JavaScript frameworks, you know, like Angular. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a component of it. And then we're seeing a lot more of, you know, the need to extract data and content out of SharePoint, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of ways you can do that, you know. So really understanding those things and understanding what the customer is going to be able to consume and and maintain is, is key, right? And there's risk associated with that, mm-hmm. right? Those, those technology... <coughs> Choices can cause risk. Don't you die on me, Bruce? Don't <laughs> you take, die a on me. take a drink? Take a drink. Good. And the last thing under technology yeah, is the other obvious one too. You, you know, data protection, you know, privacy and, and system security. Yeah, you know, to the point, Danny, you were making. You're either you know, nobody can get into the system because it was too t- secure, mm-hmm. um, or everyone can get in. You know, and that isn't supposed to get in. You know, and then just overall, just really protecting you know, data is becoming more and more critical to, to most of our customers, yeah. right? And and really understanding those requirements and those needs around data protection, data security, um, you know, is, is key uh, in, in any project. Um, so the next the next area is kind of people, right? I mean, people is, you know, a dynamic in any project. Sure. Whether it's an IT project, it doesn't matter really, right? We're all different. We've all got strengths. We've all got weaknesses, And it's a dynamic that can impact a project, right? There's definitely no 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 logic to human behavior. There there is not at all. (laughs) Um, But some of the things I kind of captured around that, and I alluded to it a little bit earlier on on the business side. But but really, again, it's real critical to have that clear business owner and champion. You know that that single person who is going to kind of uh, who's got the passion, the vision. around what you're trying to accomplish Mm -hmm. and can rally the rest of their organization, you know, around that passion, around that vision, including us, right. As, as a partner in that, in developing that solution. Um, And then the other thing is just having committed resources, especially from the customer side, you know, from, from start to finish, right. and, And getting the right, you know, subject matter experts and the right people that have the domain knowledge right around the, the functional area that you are you know working within, you know that that is so key, and just having those people involved from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know it's not that you're going to just you know throw this thing over the fence at the end, mm-hmm. right? It's it's really
0: getting those people involved up front, and that's typically tough because a lot of the so, I mean sometimes the reason that they're bringing us on is because they don't have the bandwidth internally to do this. So having the expectation that they're going to be involved and, you know, we try to minimize the amount of involvement, but it seems like that could be really, could be a big risk on projects, especially they're, they're already, you know, they've already got 10 other projects they're working on this. This is, happens to be project number 11.
1: Yeah, and that's very, very common. You know, most everybody in today's business world is, is very stretched. You know, and a lot of times we're asking business people to, you know, come in and be members of our team Right, and they still have to do their day job. Yep. So uh, it, it's definitely a challenge, and and there's vulnerabilities there, right? There's there's risk. Um, and the other area is is adoption, right? And I kind of, you know, put it in two big buckets when I think about adoption. There's, there's, you know, the usability of the solution. You know, will it be used? Is it usable? Is it easy to use? Is it intuitive? You know, it's 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 kind of that that person to system interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and And then the other thing is you know, I've mentioned this earlier, it you was know, can the customer sustain it? You know, I can build the best solution in the world, but if the customer can't you know take care of the ongoing care and fitting of that solution mm-hmm. you know on their own, right, then you know that requires more investment from them, which some customers make that choice proactively, but you know we believe that you know we should build a solution you know with the technology. That solves the problem that the customer can can sustain
0: yeah it was funny you know one of the um the uh, customer satisfaction surveys that we got back this week was they they commented as I feel like I'm growing in my career in getting um you know a working application out of the project <laughs> it was one of those good you know good things to hear that a you know, that we're growing alongside with the client they're learning new things it's like and then you know they they get a working application out of the whole thing as well, and something that they'll be able to sustain, which is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's a great point. And that's a you know that's a mitigation technique that we've used is, you know, having customer developers kind of as part of our team. Yep. You know, so that way at the end, you know, they know exactly what was implemented. They were participated in implementation, you know, and therefore they can kind of. You know, extend the application and and uh, and sustain it.
0: One of the interesting things
1: that I overheard
0: um, while we were meeting up with them in the retrospective was they could explain to people why certain decisions were made, which I think in the end is going to help with adoption of that solution as well. So that, you know, you decided to do it a certain way and they were able to say, well, we did it this way because of this. And that it, that would help in the end with people adopting it and saying, okay, I, I understand why it's done that way. And they end up using it because they have a better understanding of why it was done that way.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Danny. I mean, a lot of times... I mean, we all know we could be constrained by budget or schedule. And in your example, it was a schedule constraint for our customer. And they recognized that and accepted it and were willing to make compromises on, really on scope, uh-huh. you know, and how far we took an implementation of a specific feature because they knew, you know, they had a time constraint. Go Braves. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last area, you know, kind of, vulnerability, it's just, uh, I kind of call it collaboration, uh-huh. right? And I mentioned it a little bit around people, but, you know, we truly view our projects as a collaborative effort. You know, it's not that we're off in a vacuum building a solution for a customer. You know, we want, we want to collaborate with that customer. We want them engaged. You know, we want to have that shared vision, the shared goals mm-hmm. and we want the team to be committed. We don't want boundaries, you know, between, you know either on our team within our team or with the customer we want you know people to be able to step up and say hey I can help with that I can do that let me take that task or that piece of the project I'll take it and run with it you know we're we're open to that you know we, we believe in being you know, open transparent you know we make sure that uh, anybody's willing to raise issues and impediments and as a team I and mean, that team is really us and the customer Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is willing to step up because we're, we're so driven by that common vision, that common goal, you know, and, and getting and uh, seeing success at the end.
0: Well, the, I think it's, it's built into the process because you've got with the daily stand up, you're, you know, you really are on a daily basis checking in to see what impediments are getting in your way. And um, it's just built into what you're doing on the project. And then the customer can sit in on any of these stand ups as well. So they, it's not like we're going off and running off and doing something, and they don't really understand what what's happening on the project. So people can listen in on that, if if assuming if they've got the time to do it, which is that's a you know again something yep. we were talking about earlier. But you know at least we're upfront, and you can you know you're transparent about what's going on on the project on a day-to-day basis.
1: Absolutely. So Dave, what I wanted to kind of go into next is uh-huh. yeah, can we. we Talked about where some of the vulnerabilities could kind of be, you know, driven from. But, you know, what do we do, right? Three wheel. You know, what are some of the techniques that we apply, you know, to really kind of help mitigate these potential risks, these potential vulnerabilities. So that's kind of the next bucket of things I wanted to talk about. Sounds great. Let's do it. Yeah. So the first one is is you know following Agile Scrum, and, and people are probably going, Oh man, this guy's just trying to sell his process. He's talked about Agile Scrum before. <laughs> You know, he's just selling, man.
0: Um, <laughs> you try to sell. You try to sell a book on us, man. <laughs> but Bruce, it, Bruce's big book of Agile. That's right. That's right. Come down, soon. Coming to a book. Download,
1: or, <laughs> downloadable today. That's right. Uh, no, but and, and so the piece of Scrum, really, that I want to talk about here is that, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. You know, whenever you're going after a project, right, you're going after a, a, you know, a lot of times a fairly large problem domain, right and I'm a big believer in any kind of when you're solving business problems the more you can break that business problem down into smaller pieces and you're biting off a smaller piece you know you have a much better chance of success yeah. right trying to swallow something big whole man there's a lot of pain with that you know but actual scrum you know you you break things up into iterations right or sprints as we all know it um, you know, and, and what I love about that is, A, you know, you're, you're delivering deployable components of the solution after every sprint. You know, we, we talk about the concept around here of kind of failing early, right? So the mm-hmm. sooner I can start to get features in front of a customer, them hands on the keyboard, the better off I can get feedback to find out if, if we're heading in the right direction. Yep. You know, if we're meeting expectations. So I want to do that early, not late. Um, you know so you know, the fact that you have those deployable pieces, you know, every sprint is, is huge, right? And, and so we have kind of that, that early and continuous engagement with the customer. Again, we're not throwing something over the fence at the end and say, hey, go ahead and perform your testing, tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. You know the customer is involved. You know, they're doing UAT. As we go, every single sprint, we're going to put it in a test environment and ask them to test it and validate it and provide us feedback. So, you know, that, that it's the iterative piece of Scrum, to me, that is risk mitigation because you're doing incremental delivery, inc- you're getting incremental feedback, you're inspecting and adapting, you know, every single sprint.
0: And then I think I also at a... Um when you do retrospectives at the
1: end, too, you're getting a feedback cycle there, too, which is nice. It, it, it is, you know, and, and those learnings are great because in, in many cases, you know, we might have just a, a, a version one or phase one of a project, uh-huh. right? Because, again, you know, we might be constrained by budget maybe or schedule. And, uh, you know, we prioritize, you know, our requirements, our user stories. And, and typically there's a, a version two right behind that. So those project retrospectives you know, really help us look at how we can get better at you know, our delivery in that next iteration, the next phase of the project nice. as well. Nice, nice. Um, so the, the next you know, area I wanna talk about, you know, we kinda of consider risk mitigation is, many times what we'll do in, in, in you know, Agile terms is we'll define a sprint zero. Right, don't we also call it like an envisioning phase or envisioning sprint? And,
0: or, and, or sometimes a workshop. <laughs> or sometimes <laughs> yes, a yes, workshop. sometimes a workshop, yep. yep yeah, because yep. to
1: me, you know, when you do a, a workshop or a sprint zero or envisioning, you know, it's all about, you know, understanding where the unknowns are. Yeah. Right? What is it you don't know about the business, about the technology, about the people, about the organization, about the process, And you're really trying to vet all that out, right? You know, ahead of time, up front, as best you can, because you're you're trying to eliminate risk and uncertainty, Mm -hmm. right? So you do that your very first sprint, your very first phase. You're you're doing that, and that's where we do things like you know we take requirements and 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 reframe them up as user stories. Well, we build detailed acceptance criteria with the customer for every single user story.
0: Tell somebody what it, what is acceptance criteria, what is that, if you've you never know, heard of that before. Yeah,
1: and acceptance criteria just says, you know, this criteria must be met, you know, for this user story or this requirement to be kind of accepted okay. by the customer.
0: And that helps with just clear, making, taking out any vagueness of what you're doing and really just gets it down on solid terms as far as what you're trying to do to meet that requirement.
1: Absolutely. It's a really, it's an easy and clear and concise way to kind of assess whether or not the user story was successfully implemented. And it really aids the testers.
0: Yeah, because they want, they they can, branding can come on the project or Lisa can come on the project and right away they see the user acceptance testing or they see the criteria. Acceptance criteria. Acceptance criteria. Thank you for the help. Um, And they, they see that and that, that's great areas for them to go test right that's that's
1: absolutely well defined and then the other thing we do kind of at at a larger level is you know for a project we do something called definition of done right and and that's real important because you want to have agreement up front with the customer that says again it's criteria you know if all these criteria are met you know do you mr. mrs. customer would you agree that we're done with this project yep Right. And some of that, you know, some of the areas of kind of greatness are, you know, as you go into testing, right? And you end up finding issues, bugs, defects, whatever you want to call them. You know, there's critical defects, there's high defects, you know, medium, low, all with different levels of severity. Well, is the customer's expectation that you're going to solve every single one of those, right? <laughs> or is it that, you yeah, only care about the criticals and highs, whatever well, mm-hmm. it might be, but... But getting that nailed down up front, you know, so A, we can allocate the right amount of time, right, based on experience on, you know, how many issues, defects might come out of a, a testing effort, you know, but again, it's all about setting expectations and then you having a way to measure that and say, hey, we are truly done, you know, with this project.
0: I'm working on a campaign right now, which is uh, Three Will Creates Defect-Free Software. Are you cool with that?
1: Go for it, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> see, then it comes down to the definition of a defect. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: we can work guess, around that, so
0: I can see a little uh, apostrophe beside it. Can, no, it no, no, says, no, no, defects. No, 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 no defects at all. <laughs> really? Yeah, the, yeah. People, people in software development, their heads are exploding because they realize there is no such thing as defect-free software. So,
1: absolutely not. Oh, what's next? Um, so a couple other things just kind of, as we think about envisioning and, and sprint zero, something else we do is, we do a lot of things called technology spikes, right? And I mentioned kind of a vulnerability is, you know, either I'm working with a new technology or maybe there's two or three ways I can implement a requirement, mm-hmm. you know, two or three technology choices I can make. Well, I might do some, you know, quick proof of concepts, right? around those technologies I actually might try to implement some subset of a requirement and you know, I, I might have to kind of look at how long it takes me to solve that so I can kind of forecast what it might take to apply that technique that design pattern that technology across multiple requirements so it, it's a way for me to take any kind of technical uncertainties you know and and eliminate those uncertainties nice. and come out of it with, We think this is the best path to go down. This is the best technology choice to solve this requirement. Is it tough to sell that
0: to a customer as far as them paying for that? uh,
1: Actually, no. Yeah. You know, because I think, you know, they want to understand and they want to feel confident that we're making the right technology choices. You know, and they want to understand, especially if there's choices that we can make, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to understand, you know, what are the, the, the pros and cons of making those choices. Cause there's also investment associated with all that too, yeah. right? Yeah. Because some technology solutions are easier to implement than others. Yep. So there's trade-offs and decisions that have to be made and we're big believers in giving customers the information, the data for them to make decisions. We might make recommendations, but ultimately we want them to decide. Um, and then kind of related to that, we also do a lot of, you know, I'll call it UX, user experience proof of concepts. Right, which could be designed, but we like mocking things up. We actually like you know, being able to get in front of a customer and showing them what the user experience might look like. And it might not be working um, software, but it might be HTML mock-ups. There might be some hotspots and links on pages that will show you kind of the, the connection and linkage between pages. So, again, you know, trying to get early feedback on the usability of a solution. Mm-hmm. And, and will a customer, will a, will a service center rep right, be able to quickly answer a question from a customer, right? So let's mock what that experience might look like up, and let's let those service reps come in and look at it and get some hands-on experience in kind of a simulated environment. So you're not fully developing the app, but you're developing enough of the experience so that you can get early feedback, right? And again, eliminating risk and uncertainty. Yep, nice. <laughs> um, the next area, just kind of... a uh, risk mitigation and everybody's familiar with this right it's, it's testing right and testing is risk mitigation and that, that's what it's all about um you know Danny, you're talking about before this i mean you can test forever yep right you know we, we all know there's there's a lot of permutation and combinations a lot of logic paths that uh, that you can go down right to really understand you know do i have every every uh your logic path covered uh, in an application so you know the the things I want to call it call out about testing. Some of the the things that we're starting to see more interest in, and, and people want to make more investment in, is, is doing things like you know coverage testing, coverage analysis, which says you know, how much of my code got tested, okay, you know, in this execution of this test, right? So understanding coverage, yeah, you know, how much of the code was just touched by the execution of that test, um, or you know, for uh, solutions that are going to continue to evolve, right? They're, they are like products, uh, like a knowledge-based solution, right? Where you're going to continue to improve and iterate that solution, you know, every every quarter, right? You're going to continue to enhance it. So a lot of a lot of uh, customers are now willing to invest in automated unit testing, mm-hmm. right? So that if I change something, you know, in an application, I can quickly run some automated unit tests you know that in essence kind of regression test the application right and, and that takes investment you know because automated unit testing isn't free yep. coverage testing isn't free you have to pay for that but uh, but more and more customers are, are you know we're seeing them willing to make you know those kind of investments um you know and i think everybody's familiar with qa testing user acceptance testing performance testing um you know, something else we started to do more of too is I'll call it proof of concept testing. Um, you know, and this might be, you know, especially in an integrated solution where there's a lot of other components or maybe we're integrating with a, uh, an enterprise service bus, we're, we're pulling data from multiple systems. You know, we, we might do a proof of concept test, which is we kind of call it, you know, pumping water through the pipes, right? So do all the touch points work? And can data get from point A to point B to point C to point D, you know, the way we expect it to flow? So it, it's really that end-to-end, that end, it, it becomes more of a, a technology test before you kind of start to turn it over to, to end users. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the other thing that is becoming more and more important, we talked about it earlier too, is, is security testing. So, you know, looking at how do I ensure the confidentiality the integrity, the authentication, authorization, availability, non-repudiation—so, you know, a lot there, right? And again, depending on the organization, you know, that costs money. It takes time. You know, everybody's got to assess how much of that kind of testing they want to do, you know, to really make sure that their application is secure, right? Yep.
0: It seems to be. I don't know if you were going to cover this or was was a part of another one, but uh, I know with um, with Brandon, often he's you know a, a part of the experience, a part of the security is uh, overall is testing different like browser types and looking at different options there. And that's quite a bit about uh, mitigating risk around because the end users might be using any number of types of browsers.
1: Absolutely. And and every browser has their own set of vulnerabilities, right? Yeah. And uh, that's absolutely a key part of it for sure, Danny. That's a great point. We broke my 30-minute
0: Area. We're, we're almost done. Years. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll wrap it up here. Sure, so, sure.
1: three other areas to think about as far as mitigation. You know, one is instrumentation and logging. So we're we're starting to do a lot more of that in applications we build. You know, an instrument instrumentation and logging just lets you and lets the customer really be more proactive, and really kind of you know, capturing metrics around events that are occurring. You know, throughout the application. Mm-hmm. Right, so it lets you kind of be proactive to understand, you know, when events are occurring, you know, especially events that you know, are critical events or, or bad events, you know, and capturing those logs, capturing those errors.
0: Um, and Tim you know, and Matthew have done a lot of that. So I, we've actually talked about that a couple of times. How how important that's become, especially on the longer term, sustainment projects to have that as a component and for managing risk. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, especially
1: yep. when you got big apps that are being used by a lot of users. Yep. Right, you you really want to put more of that instrumentation and logging in there because it's, you know, if, if, if things begin to break or or performance begins to degrade, you know, you got to react quickly, and that instrumentation logging can really help you narrow down, you know, what might be causing errors in an application.
0: We all know it's Tim's code. We just need to have the proof that it's Tim's code. So <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, to risk assessment. I mean, everybody does that. We do that. Uh, my point on risk assessments is. Yeah, everybody does it, but what what we do a great job of, I think, is is we look at that risk assessment every week, mm-hmm. right? We don't just do it once, you know, put it in a document library, you know, put it on a file share somewhere and never look at it again. We 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 take it seriously. We look at it, um, and then the other thing that we started to do too is we call them kind of leadership status reviews, and, and this is where on a biweekly basis we get the leadership teams of all you know parties that are invested in a project. Right, and we look at you know scope, schedule, budget, but we also look at you know impediments. We look at risks. We look at you know team collaboration. So you know it's a good way to really have everybody sit down. We believe in total transparency, so we want to kind of raise issues, risks, concerns, and we want to have good open discussions as a leadership team on things that we as a team can do to help mitigate those risks. So. Um, that was kind of my last point,
0: Danny. Nice. Well, I know um, one, just to sort of wrap us up here, sort of tactically um, on projects, and now we have a client, Extranet, and that Extranet has – a risk list on it, which has all of the, you know, the risk, the severity of it, the likeliness of of occurrence and mitigation plans around it. So it sounds like that's something that is, is that something that's reviewed for the status report that goes out on a weekly basis? So that's, is that, is that sort of the weekly check?
1: Well, the, um, we we do have the extranet site and Uh all our customers have access to that. That's all kind of part of us being transparent, but we do include, you know, our, our risk assessment, oh, we, we take the top risks, uh-huh. um, you know, from our project and those do go out on the status report every week. So we really try to call out what we see as the, the critical risks. And, and we do, we have something called a, you know, a RAG status, red, amber, green. So you know, for things like scope, schedule, budget, dependencies, you know, whether it's internal or external, um, you know, we, we kind of indicate, you know, where things might be turning amber, right, which is mm-hmm. kind of a warning or, or red which is we have some issues right uh, or some risks and we, we try to really call those things out it's the very first thing you see on our staff yeah. report so yeah um you know we, we believe in being transparent and and kind of hitting those kind of things head on
0: and that's that's great because i know just somebody who is um you know your project sponsor they want to they want the information, but again, they're overloaded with information. So having that once a week status report that really calls out, "Hey, we need your attention on this thing," um, whether you're using visuals or whatever you can do to aid that is really important. And also, you don't want to you don't want to cry wolf too many times either. You want to you want to say, "Hey, this is a real risk. This is something we need to look at. There's a high probability of this occurring." And having a way that's a part of our process to do that is very important. Absolutely great. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you care about this subject. Oh, I do for sure. It's, you've, it's... You've, re- you've really put some thought behind all of this. And I, you know what, this, it shows up when you get, you know, we've gotten a couple of, of uh, NPS, Tommy and I talked about net promoter score and we've, you know, the tens are flowing in. And I think that has a lot to do with you managing and you and the project managers and everybody at 3 will managing risks appropriately. And people People love that. I mean, people, yes. it's, its um, we're all trying to understand what, you know, what can come and bite us. And and uh, everyone here is trying to manage that on a daily basis. And you really thought this through well and, and uh, are doing a great job. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for listening and have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye.